Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Everybody and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, amazing interviews minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Lavin, and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Doing well. Doing fine. Disappointed that the weather's already reverted back to being. I mean, then again, it was way too hot for a couple days, so I suppose this is better. What was it today? It was like no. Low 70s? Yeah, I mean, for a couple days, it's like 95 and humid. I'm like, yeah, well, that wasn't good. Here we are. I'm still peeling from my sunburns from last week. So. <laughs> and they're on, my, they're on my forehead, so it makes me look like really weird. Mm-hmm. Well, now I know to never leave the house without a hat. It's your own fault for not for spending the whole game down in the scout section. Well... You gotta, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta make your bones. You can't just go in the media, you know, press box. Well, they give tours in there now, so it's it's not even a press tour box anymore. <laughs> That's true. All right, so promote, extend trade, and on this date back in 2015, a jury. In Santa Maria, California, they voted to acquit Michael Jackson of all charges. And that was the second time that he was accused of uh, inappropriate behavior with children. And he was a weird guy, you know, 
I don't know whether or not he did what he said he did, whatever, but he was a visionary and one of the, you know, goats of the music industry. So uh, what are we going to promote, extend, or trade of his uh, music qualities here? So first we have his dance moves. Then we have his singing ability. And finally, his fashion choices. I'm trading the fashion choices. <laughs> Same. Not a fan of the glove look. Uh, or the I'm going to go ahead and just say no. No, not really. <laughs> or like the, the early 18th century military, you know, shoulder kind of things. Nope, also very weird. <laughs> My actual music buff is out there just cursing me now for reasons I don't understand, but I can live with that. <laughs> I was reading something. I forget what it, one of our uh, prospect lists from last year because I needed to look something up. And I was looking at the comments, and somebody said Lucas is a bad take machine. So I think uh, I Lucas, mean not wrong. Where's the lie? <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're a bad take machine here. So now I'm curious what the what that was in reference to. Yeah, right. Probably Anthony K. Oh boy, yeah, his brother's back on the site. Oh no. <laughs> what year was this? What year was this, Steve? I'll go look in a sec. I, I want to say it was last year. I think it was either the Mark Vientos write up or the Brett Beatty write up. One of the two. I think Vientos. The one where I, I said Vientos probably isn't good? Yeah, it was something like, right, you said something along the lines of, like, he's treading water, but you don't think that really he's that great. Mm, yes, a very bad take, that one. And then, yeah, and then someone's just like, yeah, he's treading water, but he's still young. Lucas, this is a terrible take. You're a bad take machine. Something uh-huh. to that effect. Let's uh, revisit that one. Mm. Well, anyway. Singing or I, dancing's I would, tough. I don't have a strong opinion on that one. I mean, I, I, you have to extend his dance moves, because... Mm-hmm. How can you not? I would personally trade the singing because I think I could rock the glove look. I think I could rock some of the. Uh... <laughs> you could ask Ken. Ask Ken. When we were at the game last week, there were a group of um, uh, boisterous, pra- yeah, boisterous, boisterous young men um, who uh, rabble rousers, ne'er do wells, they're Kentucky Derbys, Kentucky Derby finest. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a choice. Uh, I swore to, at my next game, you know, go go there, full top hat, suit, the whole nine yards. <laughs> You're in a spear sucker. <laughs> only, only if you could, can you put a monocle into this whole getup, too? Just go, like, oh, full Monopoly man with it? Of course, of course. Okay. So I feel like I need to embrace the outlandish fashion here. Prepare myself, hide myself, you know. Unfortunately, the only seg- the only thing I could think about is I'm trying to like come up with Michael Jackson songs in my head. And to be clear, I'm not that inept with music. I, I do know several Michael Jackson songs, but the only thing that's coming into my mind is that one Family Guy clip. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, well, I'm not going to elaborate on it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know what you're talking about, but. It's probably one, one, at least one of you knows which one I'm going with here. I think. 
I think so too. Moving on now to our way too early draft update. It's um this will sadly I guess be our last segment until the draft of University of Florida where my guy Judd Fabian plays. They lost regional play last weekend, as did the University of Miami, where Ken's pick, Agent Del Castillo, played. Um so no one is playing anymore. Uh, Fabian ended up hitting 249, 364, 560 in 59 games with 10 doubles, no triples, 20 homers, 40 walks, 79 strikeouts, and 6 stolen bases in 8 attempts. Uh, Ken's guy, Adrian Del Castillo, he ended up hitting 275, 380, 395 in 54 games with 13 doubles, 1 triple, 3 homers, 27 walks, 28 strikeouts, and one stolen base in one attempt. Lucas's pick, Brady House, uh, he hit 549, 675, 967. Brought the house Yeah, in God 31 games. Uh, 14 doubles, no triples, 8 homers, 28 no walks. Get him out of here. Yeah, yeah. No, what a bum. Yeah. Nine strikeouts. He was a perfect 21 for 21 in stolen bases. And he was uh, Georgia Region 6A8 Player of the Year, which is, I Th- think, a well, well-disturbed well distinction. Uh, yeah. Thomas, as a former high school catcher yourself, uh, do high school catchers just suck at throwing runners out? I mean, yeah. <laughs> There's some kids that are, like, really good still, but also, like, the pitchers are probably slow to the plate, and they're not really holding the guy on to, like... Also, like, the, that, that catcher who he stole on, 21 times or whatever it is, was like, he's going to go to school to be an accountant. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. yep. The same guy over and over and over and over. Yeah, this one boy. Oh, it's it. one guy. It's one dude. He stole 21 bases in a game. But, um, like, I don't know. How many real good catching prospects are there out there, you know? Like, uh, they probably didn't play them. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas, your first pick, Jaden Hill. Uh, pitcher from LSU. Right, he man. went 23, excuse me, he went 2 and 3 on the season with a 6.67 ERA in 29.2 yeah. innings. Uh, he allowed 29 hits, he walked 12, he struck out 25. Obviously, those numbers were affected by the UCL tear that he ended up getting Tommy John surgery to fix. I still think there's something there with him, but I don't know if he gets drafted. Um, and some. Someone JT gets him and he figures it out, or like not figures it out. They rehab him, or if he just goes back to school and pitches again, I don't know. But I think there's something there with him. Yeah. Um, your second pick, Andrew Painter, he ended up going six and one on the year with a zero three one ERA in forty five point one innings, allowing eighteen hits, walking fourteen, and striking out ninety one. So in years past, you know the draft would have taking place this week, actually. But this year, with all the changes to the minor leagues and everything like that, the draft is going to be taking place on Sunday the 11th, Monday the 12th, and Tuesday the 13th of July. So it's going to coincide with the All-Star break. So I kind of like that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
I think maybe it's maybe a little too far ahead because we're basically going to have like a month of just dead air or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it was always kind of weird to have the draft literally in the middle of like regional play, super regional play in the College World Series. Yeah, I never liked that. Like, like the Mets drafted Pete Alonso, and then I watched him play for Florida, and it was just kind of like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it's exactly. So, it's so not like any other sport. He'd be out of there. He'd be done with school. So, and also having it when the Mets aren't playing, like, I think that's cool too because it's during the All Star break. So like, it was always weird to me that like I'm at City Field and like they're drafting someone in the tenth round at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was. It's just always, and then that also kind of makes things a little bit more difficult trying to talk about, you know, their season as a whole. Let's say some guy goes off in the College World Series or goes off in regionals or mm-hmm. whatever the case is. It's just like, you know, not that that happens too often, but, you know, uh, that's a lot of background information that you'd be losing. Yeah. So when we get closer to the date, we'll have more draft coverage. But for now, we're going to be putting all that on hold. But it was fun while we were doing it. Yeah, hopefully they uh, don't take the boring college pitcher like everyone seems to be mocking them. Well, that's I guess also that's one another good thing about uh, pushing things back is there's a lot more time to strategize, negotiate conceptualize whatever you want to, you know, say that teams and, and, and players and everything can do. So it'll be fun. <laughs> I mean, the draft is always fun. Yeah. All right. Now we will move on to CPBL, KBO, and NPB updates. And... um Look at the Unilions first. There are still no games in Taiwan. The league is going to present a proposal to the Ministry of Health and Welfare about starting the season soon with no fans, minimal media, uh, no non-essential staff, players quarantining themselves in the bubbles, stuff like that. So the, the league might resume soon. This is your weekly podcast reminder to get your vaccine so we can stop <laughs> having stories like this. Mm-hmm. And if that take upsets you, I don't care. Listen, we've lost plenty of viewers, uh, plenty of listeners, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. oh well. I think that's a non-hot take to get the goddamn vaccine. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of pros that come with being vaccinated and being magnetized, right? So, uh-huh. why not? <laughs> yeah, this death nurse was making being magnetized sound like a negative. Like, right? Uh, exactly. People Thank just you. not watch uh, X Men. I'll exactly. be discount Magneto. Exactly, exactly. All right, the LG Twins, they went 4-2 and two this week. So they are 32-25, and 25, which is good for second place in the league. And they are a half a game behind the KT Wiz and the Stupid Sexy Landers, both of whom are tied for first place. <laughs> this is what we're going with. <laughs> <laughs> um... Wu Chen Cha, he returned this week. He was a big-time free agent that the Twins signed a couple of years ago. Who I don't want to say he's been a bust, but he definitely has not lived up to his contract. He basically had a solid year in his first year, a poor one in his second, decent one in his third, and then a horrible one last year. 
um, because of an injury and then obviously because of COVID made everything, you know, start weird. So if he can reestablish himself, that would be pretty good for the Twins. But their pitching has been really good regardless. Um, It's basically been been carrying them. They have the lowest ERA in the league uh, combined 3.67. They're they're big. Free agent acquisition this year, Andrew Suarez, he has the second lowest ERA uh, among starters in the league. He has a 260 ERA in 69 in the third innings. And you know who has the best ERA? Uh, no. Our old friend Walker Lockett. Oh, yeah. No. No. (laughs) He does. 187 in 67 in the third innings. What's his, how, what's his strikeout to walk? Uh, that I don't know, but not in front of me, but. Bruh. Walker Lockett? Come on, man. The they're one gonna and only. They're gonna bring him home. Bring look the now, but Fle- Flexen is still bad, it turns out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. As is Drew Gagno, so. And before we move on to the Occult Swallows, since we're talking about the KBO, I don't know if there's, I mean, really, there's not anything we can do. But I just want to bring to everyone's attention that Twitter has suspended Dan Kurtz. He is the guy that runs the MyKBO account. Mm. Uh, his website's still up, so there's no problem, you know, looking at his updates there. But Twitter basically suspended his account because apparently he had some old bat flip compilations that used the chorus from a little flip song, whoever the fuck that is. And he Wait, submitted. He got DCMA'd? Yeah, that he submitted happened? that. That dude submitted a copyright claim, and either Dan did not scrub the audio from all of the videos that he had, or he didn't do it quickly enough, or whatever the case. So he is suspended indefinitely. And there are little fucking Nazis on Twitter that spew (laughs) garbage and and death threats and all that kind of stuff, and nothing happens to them, and yet Dan gets suspended. So, what the hell? Fucking Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty lame. I thought you were going to say it was a baseball thing, because baseball loves to shoot themselves in the foot in terms of... I thought it was a baseball thing, too. Nope, it was Lil Flip. Lil Flip. Lil Flip. Not to be confused with Big Flip. Yeah. No. No, no. (laughs) All right, now, finally, the Occult Swallows. And they had a good week. They went 4-2. So they are 29-24-7 on the year, which is third place in the Central League, but they're still uh, distant seven games behind the Hanjin Tigers. They are really just running away with it at this point. Um, so when we first started following NPB baseball, like last year and, and we were looking into the teams, like who is on the swallows? Who's, who's the guy? Tetsuo Yamada was the guy and, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so because of the types of seasons that he had prior to. And he was like one of the guys in the entire league too. Yeah. Yeah. Not even just for them. I mean, multiple, multiple 30, 30 years, batted 300 with regularity, but then 2020 happened, and he was injured for a lot of that time, and he fell off a lot when he was able to play. 
And he's doing a lot better this season. Uh, he's up to 14 homers in 56 games, which is already more than he had last year. Uh, he had 12 in 94 games. But the average is still pretty bad. He's hitting 244 right now. He's not really stealing bases at all. So it kind of sucks to see, you know, the guy have his play impacted to such a degree by injuries. But meanwhile, Munitaka Murakami, a kid that seemed interesting when he first started following Swallows, but he wasn't really established. He's basically blooming before our eyes, and he's he's an absolute beast. Um, in 120 games last year, and he was 20 last year, he hit 307, 427, 585 with 28 homers. Um, he led the Central League in OBP. He led it in OPS. He was second in slugging, second in homers, sixth in batting average. He got a couple of MVP votes, but he ended up uh, coming in 11th place uh, behind Tomo Sugano of the Giants, who won it. As I understand it, Japan still heavily subscribes to the winning oh, yes. team gets MVP. Oh, yes. Yep. So through 59 games this season... Murakami is hitting 284, 432, 612 with a league leading 19 home runs. He's second in OBP, he's second in slugging, OPS, pretty much every offensive stat um behind uh foreigner Tyler Wills uh excuse me, Tyler Austin. So, the Yankees prospect that went to I the Twins for a bit? I believe so, yes. I think that is, yes. Okay. Red Sox at one point, or I might be wrong on that. Not sure about Red Sox, but Yankees, yes. Maybe um, he got but, in a fight with the Red Sox that I'm remembering. Well, I can't blame him for that. But it, it's, you know, it's sad to see, you know, one guy's star kind of fade, but it's nice that concurrently another guy's star is, you know, now just starting to get brighter. Giants, which I do not remember. Really? No, I didn't remember that either. They, the, the Giants over the last couple of years just keep winding up with random dudes. I'm like, oh, right. 70 games for the Giants in 2019. Huh? Hmm. All right. Well, I guess I just 185? How did he play so many games? The Giants are bad. That's true. Honestly, that is... I still think the Giants are bad, but right now they're okay. They're, just, they're, they're kind of like le- leveraging all the old guys not being totally washed, which is pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, Brandon Crawford, 15 yeah, home like, runs, whatever. Busty, bu- Busty, Buster Posey is like good again after a year off. Uh, Longoria was good until he got until hurt. He got hurt, yeah. And Kevin Gaussman just made himself is going to make himself a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, Morikami is 21, and you know, if he ever wants to be posted and wants to come to the U.S., the Mets happen to have a third base opening already for oh, him. Oh, yeah. Imagine Pete at first base and Warakami at third base. Just the amount of home runs. Um, I'm here for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Murakami hits a, a ton of no-doubter moonshots. It's not like he gets cheap home runs. It's still probably a couple of years before they even can consider posting oh yeah no no i mean trying to think i I would not say i know the average age but when guys get posted they're usually in their mid to late 20s i mean unless there are very special circumstances like a shohei otani 
I mean, Darvish, I think, was like 26, yeah. 27 yeah. when he came. So, but hey, in, you know, five years from now, I'm sure the Mets will still have third base, a third base uh, opening. And instead of Pete Alonso, it'll be Barbadia first. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep the light on for you, Munitaka. Mm-hmm. We will keep the light on for you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. It's time to look at now how the Mets affiliates have done. And first up are the Syracuse Mets, and they had a a bad week. Um, I think that's putting it nicely. Mm-hmm. They played the Worcester Red Sox, and they went 0-6. They did not win a single game this week. So that leaves them at 11-25, and which is dead last in the AAA East-Northeast. And the Woo Sox are not like some super team. You know, they're not bad either, don't get me wrong, but... Just right now, Syracuse is just, I don't know. That lineup is basically half made up of backups to backups. Yeah. Since so many it, guys. It, ter- it turns out when your entire upper minors system has been put to the majors, uh, yeah. the upper minors teams aren't good anymore. It's not really their fault, but. <laughs> it's not their fault. always going to suck, probably, but. But it's also, not their you fault, like their starters to be there. Try to do better, little guys. Try to do a little better. Uh, they're, they're just getting demolished. These are some of the scores yeah. from this week. 11-4, 12-5, to 11-2, 11-4. They're not just losing. They're like yeah, losing, they losing. Yeah. yeah, not great. I'd like to see them push some guys up on it. Like there's room. Like let's see McGill in AAA. Let's see. Uh, I mean, that's the one name that comes to mind quickly. Well, he, he is in AAA. He made his second start. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he made his second start this week. Um, Lucas, so is what you're saying that um, it's time for the Carlos Cortez experiment to take the next step? So while I hate the fact is, that this is, is a serious conversation and that you've brought it up, it is time <laughs> to promote him, yes. Yeah, he's having a pretty solid week. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, Miguel, he was okay this week. Um Syracuse lost, but it wasn't really his fault. I think he just gave up. He gave up one run, a solo home run, in five and a third innings. So, when you think about it, McGill is kind of like their only depth option in the near foreseeable future. I think he's going to actually be in the majors at some point this year. Like, if 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 these trends continue, and... Yes, uh, they, it's... They, 
they keep needing pitching, he's just going to, by default, have to come up. Like, yeah, if Peterson yeah. keeps getting hit hard and they yeah. don't they don't trust Zapucky, then he's just going to be the other guy. That's really it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at basically everyone else. Yamamoto is hurt. Don't know when he's coming back, but it's not like he's a guy you could really count on too much either when he isn't hurt. Zapucky, he has been bad, but he hasn't really looked particularly great either. A lot of walks. Um, Sean Reed Foley, they could stretch him out to start, but honestly, I don't know if that's the best idea. Since I don't think should. He's kind of settled into that role that he's yep. doing now, and he's been pretty good. So, yep, I would uh, just let him do that. Yeah, Franklin Kilome. It's similar to like the the Seth Lugo situation. Like, are you going to take him out of something that he's doing pretty well, and and turn what is a strength into a weakness in order to shore up what was a weakness into a little bit more of a strength? Like, especially with how many double headers are coming up, and all those games are seven innings. Like mm-hmm. having Sean Reed Foley, who could go three or four out of the pen and kind of just shut one down. Like, assuming that he's pitching well, like he has been in the majors. Like, mm-hmm. that's really valuable, you know? That, that might, that could help with the Lucchese starts and the, and the bad Peterson starts where he comes in and just kind of follows them and yeah. use those guys as real openers if you need to. Um, who else? There's Gerard, uh, Jared Eikhoff, but he's not really been particularly good. Frank Akilame, you know, he's hurt right now, so it doesn't really matter, but the Mets, you know, seem to have given up on him anyway. You know, he's not even on the 40-man, and same thing like Sapucky. He hasn't really looked particularly great, mm-hmm. you know, when he has been pitching. So, personally, I honestly, I don't think we can count on Carrasco or Syndergaard at any point this season, in any kind of meaningful way. So, I don't think the Mets do either, The because I think Zach Scott said something recently about, like, starting pitching being the obvious... Uh, yeah. The obvious uh, addition sp- place to add with the team, so I think they also agree with you. <laughs> that yeah, I mean, the like, promise is just like nothing to add on that front. To feel like, like yeah, it's, who are you, who are you trading for? I mean, any average pitcher is better than David Peterson. Mm-hmm. You know, like even if they're like the most average, boring innings eater starter. I'd, I'd, I'd go. Pick. I'd go for a Ty Anderson, Richard Rodriguez package from the Pirates. That'd be interesting. And he's and and Rodriguez has been good out of the pen, obviously. So, like that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I think they're kind of that's what they focus on, and out of necessity because you can't just keep trotting out Lucchese doing at most five innings, like at the very maximum. Yeah, and then also I mean, tomorrow Peterson might give up five in the first, and then. That's yeah, a, this is why games like today on we record on Sunday happens when the pen is gassed because you have to constantly have them all out there all the time. Like it's just unsustainable. Mm-hmm. So they really need guys who just could go six seven after who aren't named Marcus Stroman because even Degrom has been coming out super early. Right. I mean, uh, um, production wise, you don't need to worry about Degrom. You don't need to worry about Stroman. Walker's pitching amazing, but you know, at any given time, yep. you know, he, he could break, and then... Yeah, Peter's not been healthy. <laughs> no. And then, you know, Peterson and Lucchese, like you were saying, the little, uh, you know, up and down is a nice way of putting it. You know, you never know what you're going to get with them, so... <sighs> like, Peterson could go out there tomorrow and throw six scoreless, or give up six in the first, and I would be like, okay, either way. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that happening. 
like the range of outcomes is way too big, and you need someone who's more stable. Yeah, and unfortunately, the Mets do not have any stability really at the top of the minor league system. Nope. Uh, Binghamton Rumble Ponies now. They went two and four against the Bowie Bay Sox, and they are eleven and twenty-four on the year, which is fourth place in the Double A Northeast Northeast out of six teams. So somehow the Hartford Yard Goats and the Reading Fighting Phils have been worse than Binghamton. And as we've we've seen with Binghamton, they have lost every single possibly conceivable way. Uh, so somehow Hartford and Reading have done that, but even more, which is pretty painful. That's shocking to me that I didn't even hadn't realized they weren't in last place. That's mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. Well, because they went on a run last week. I think they won like five out of their six games last week, or whatever. So, but it's it's because they keep getting help from some unexpected places. Guys like Wagner Lagrange, Louis Carpio. Who somehow is only 23 years old. <laughs> but, I can't believe uh, that. He feels like he's 30. Guys like that, they keep on hitting. And as mentioned, the one in our Lee, Carlos Cortez, just keeps hitting and hitting and hitting. And I don't know why. This morning I went back, I looked at some video from, uh, I took from him from when he was in Brooklyn in in 2018, I was looking at some YouTube video when he was at the University of South Carolina. Uh, there's some clips from when he was in the ABL, and then obviously, I mean, I saw him in Binghamton, and there's pretty high quality uh, MILB TV Binghamton has. The swing does look better than it did, you know, in a couple of years ago. I am far from an expert on this kind of stuff. But it looks like he is his swing is um, much less loud. He's still slightly open at the plate. He still has his hands high. Um, his leg kick looks a little more muted than it used to be. But that's really like the only stuff that I could see physically that he's doing. Um, but he used to be a very hacky swinger. Uh, everything looked like he was swinging with like a very exaggerated uppercut, like he's swinging from his shoestrings. And his mo as a as a high school kid before going to the Gamecocks and then playing with them was always his power. So it's it's easy to see like okay, you're just gonna sell out and swing at the fences, especially when you have a metal bat. You know, all you have to do is just kind of hit the ball moderately hard in the air, and it's got a chance. Ping. Yeah, <laughs> and and the swing looks a lot more level now. Like there is a like like picture a clock. That that's the best way that I I wrote down that to explain it. It used to be like he was swinging seven to one, and now the swing looks more like he's swinging eight thirty to two. He's he's much less angular with it. There's still enough upward angle to lift the ball, but it's not as extreme. So he's able to, you know, make better contact. He's able to hit line drives, you know, that are are that are, are landing for hits, stuff like that. Is that enough for me to start saying, hmm, we might have something here? I don't know. Like I said last week to Ken, I have a visceral hatred of Carlos Cortez. Not the right word, but he's <laughs> not my cup of tea. 
And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from him, but it is 32 games. And a guy like him, where he doesn't really bring too much else to the table. You know, I mean, can, he, can he stand at second base at this point, or is it just corner outfield all the way? No, he's, I want to say he's exclusively played in left this Ish. year. I mean, that doesn't help. But I don't yeah, know if that's I was going to say you could utility make him a utility guy, and that's his ceiling. But if he's only playing in a corner outfield, that's. But I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's just because the Mets are saying like, "Wow, you really suck this much in the infields," or we just don't need anyone. We we just don't need you to play second base right now because of the, you know, they have Louis Carpio there, and and I don't know. But you know, not having insider information, I don't know if he's in the outfield and left because. That makes sense. Really bad, but but yeah, I mean, it's great that the bat is is woken up a little bit, but I would need to see more before I start changing my view of Carlos Cortez. I mean, it sounds very. Um, I mean, another pro. This is a prospect I was never high on. Uh, Willie Calhounish, right? Except not as good a bat. Calhoun always had, like, the hit tool, though. Calhoun was supposed to hit and hit for power. He just couldn't play defense for shit. Yeah, which is literally, like, he might be a DH prospect. And you're like, well, all right, what do I do with that? And he was too too short to play first, even, effectively. So, so with Carlos Cortez, I'm I'm now more confident he makes the big leagues. Um, I've always been pretty sure he's going to at least you know, log some service time, just given the the draft capital that was put into him and twice. Uh, yeah, twice and the polish. Um, how to say this? He's always been kind of polished. You know, he's never really been terrible. Um, I'm I'm a little more confident than than I was that he he makes the big leagues. He's still gonna have to hit a ton though, given the limited um ways in which he can affect the game. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's something to watch. And at least, you know, Binghamton has now a guy to watch because the offense outside of Jake Mangum is not too interesting. I mean, if you're talking about Jake Mangum being interesting offense, you're in trouble. (laughs) Well... I don't necessarily mean in terms of the numbers that are actually producing, but in terms of like, oh, here's an interesting guy to let's see how he does. But speaking obviously of, a, of an interesting guy to see how he does, duh, Mark Vientos, and he's finally showing a little bit of life. Um, Just in time for the deadline. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the, I think he's the guy they trade if like he's the first guy out. Yep, agreed. Looking at, like, Beatty has probably lapped him on the third base step. I mean, not probably. He probably lapped him the day he got drafted. But, like, Beatty's playing real well. He looks like there's something there for real. I mean, they're probably going to have three top 25, top 30 prospects post-midseason update. And I don't know that there's anything on the market that merits trading any of them. Like, Kittel Unless you're just going to go crazy and, like, try to just overwhelm a team that... Like, just kind of, like, surprise someone and get a guy who's under contract for two, three years. So, but, could tell Marte. Yeah. But, like, I don't think Mar- I don't think you're calling the Diamondbacks and they're like, yeah, Marte's available. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Well, coming into the week, Vientos was hitting a paltry 218, 263, 391, with three homers, six walks, and 33 strikeouts. He had, I mean, it was an okay week. I guess is the best way to put it. He went three for 18, but his three hits were all extra base hits. One double and two homers. And then he did walk a little bit, three times to five strikeouts. And, you know, I, I, I don't really know what's been going on with Vientos. I mean, yes, everyone dealt with COVID last year. Yes, he's 21 still. Bington is a pretty aggressive assignment for him. Yes, he did kind of start slow in Columbia too, so maybe he is a slow starter. But my thing really is, I saw him in 2018 with Kingsport. I saw him 2019 with the Fireflies. I saw him this year with Binghamton. And it does not look like he's taken any steps forward whatsoever. It's the same problems. Mm-hmm. He keeps basically... The, the same thing keep, keep keep popping up. He struggles against spin. Now he's struggling against spin now. The swing was on the long side then, and it's on the long side now. The bat speed seemed a lot less impressive than it should have been for someone of like his pedigree and, and the expectations then, and it still doesn't look great now. And I get like he has a reputation for being like a really laid back kid, you know, not really wearing his heart on his sleeve. And a lot of times that kind of stuff is like racial dog whistles. But it's like, dude, like, how is there going to be a fire lit under your ass? You're doing the same stuff over and over and over for years. At best, you're treading water while guys around you are breaking out. Like you were saying before, Beatty has eclipsed you. And yes, Beatty is a little bit older and he is playing at a level younger, at a level, you know, below, uh, double A. And conceivably, if Beatty was in double A, he would be struggling too, just like Vientos. But Beatty changed things around. He got in better yep. shape. You know, Beatty Vientos, looks like a different player. Yes. Vientos is not out of shape, but he's not like, yeah, I mean, maybe he has a six pack, who knows, but you can't see that, you know, but, you know, just it just seems like nothing has changed, and I don't expect him to suddenly look like the Hulk and gain like fifty pounds of all muscle, but yet still have the agility uh, of of a ballet dancer. Like you can't control things like that, but you can tweak your swing. Yeah, you can you know spend two hours a day in front of the pitching machine and and refine your eye against breaking balls. Like do something. It just seems like he hasn't done anything. And I've always been the guy that was always super high on Mark Vientos. And even at this point, I'm just like, eh, like, I just, I don't see much. He could just turn around and just go crazy and make us look like fools. And that would be great. I hope he does, but. I mean, Steve, I was told that I was a bad take machine for not liking Vientos. <laughs> That's true. It, it's, I think I said this at the beginning of the season, but it feels a little weird to be like, it's a 21-year-old's put-up-or-shut-up season, but he's been here for so long, and now the Mets got to, they're, they're in first place, and they got to make trade deadline acquisitions, and like, there's not much to trade, so he's kind of playing himself right into that, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. some team, like, some team is going to want him because 
when you get a 21-year-old prospect at the trade deadline, that's probably a win because you're, like, 12 games under 500 and the season doesn't matter. But, like, the Beatty is, he's fixed the things, he's fixed some of the things that we had problems with. Like, a lot of the things that people were worried about, he seemed to have smoothed that out and made himself a better prospect because of it. And then you look at Vientos and it's like, well, it's year three of the same problems. Let's see if maybe another team fixes them and that might happen and cool. But the Mets also got to start getting major league reinforcements for a potential playoff push. And that is, it's not coming up soon, soon, but it'll be there before we know it. You know what I mean? Like that always happens. Mm-hmm. So that's the na- that that's the guy that sticks in my head of the Mets needs to trade for a reliever or, or a starter to eat some innings. That's a guy, you know what I mean? A guy who the Mets won't really care about protecting because he's not, he hasn't played himself into the upper echelon prospects. So it sucks because you would like to see him succeed here, but also you get how he could get passed up. Yep. That is, that is putting it perfectly to be honest. It's unfortunate, but that's just how it goes. And speaking of someone that basically played themselves out of a job, (laughs) it's not really this guy's fault, I guess, but the Mets finally released Desmond Lindsay. And it's funny because last week he, we gave him a shout out for having a productive week. You know, he hit a pair of home runs and it was like the most life that we've seen out of Desmond Lindsay in years. And, you know, went out high, I guess, <laughs> because, you know, like a day or two later, they parted ways. Um, for those who don't remember, Lindsey was the Mets' second-round pick in 2015, um, and he was basically their first pick overall since they gave up their first-round draft pick when they signed Michael Kadire. And he was pretty highly thought of at the time. There were some early mock drafts that had him going a little bit higher, but he fell to the Mets at 53 overall because he had a commitment to UNC, uh, University of North Carolina, and then a lot of leg injuries that spring. And I'm going to read word for word Alex Nelson's um, draft profile of him when the Mets selected him. And, quote, The biggest question I have is concerns with his legs. He missed a substantial amount of time this spring due to a hamstring problem which is bordered upon becoming a chronic issue. Hamstrings are tricky muscles, and there's no guarantee that the issue has fully resolved itself at this time, end quote. And exacts, unfortunately, exactly what happened with him. Yep. He played, let's see, 35 games in 2015, 37 games in 2016, 65 in 2017, a whopping 90 in 2018, 15 in 2019, obviously none last year in 2020, and then 18 this year. So he has a whopping 260 games over the course of six years. That's not that's great. not enough time to yeah. do it. It's just, yeah. So, I mean, nobody else in the second round of that draft popped, so it's not like the Mets really lost out on anyone big who's still on the board. But it was definitely a solid gamble at the time. You know, injured kid who who had his stock fall. Um, you know, gamble. They didn't have a, a, a early pick anyway, so you might as well gamble on that upside. Sometimes it works, and sometimes, unfortunately, as we see here, it doesn't work. I'd rather take that than a low ceiling guy. Hundred mm-hmm. percent agree. 
But they, I don't think there's anything like this is an unfortunate outcome. But there's nothing. The most frustrating part of this story has nothing to do to with Desmond Lindsay. It's that they gave up a first round pick to sign Michael Kadire. No, oh, don't remind me. Do you guys remember the conspiracy theories that it was all part of a Tulo trade? That this was like some underhanded deal? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Offer him arbitration. We'll sign him, and we'll and we'll uh. And that way you'll get a pick as part of a Tulo trade. It's like, That's okay, what? sure. <laughs> Inject that into my veins. Those are good times. Short stop avenue. Well, all right, well, the Brooklyn Cyclones now moving on to them. They did not have a good week. They went 1-5 against the Hudson Valley Renegades, so that leaves them at... 10 and 23 on the year, which is last place in the high A East North. And after a crazy good week in Lakewood, uh, the big three, Beatty, Vientos, uh, excuse me, Beatty, Mauricio, and Alvarez, they really cooled down. Um, last week, Ronnie Mauricio hit 259, 259, 593 with a double, a triple, and two home runs. And this week, Ronnie Mauricio hit well, it's not great. He hit zero, one seventy six zero. <laughs> he walked three times and struck out six times. So, not great. I think my next bad take, as as the resident bad take machine, <laughs> machine. Well, my my next bad take is going to be that I don't. No, I'm not very high on Mauricio, and I'm going to double down on that at this point. Hmm. Um, Brett Beatty last week hit 524, 615, 1190. Jesus with fucking Christ. <laughs> that two, all? Double, two doubles and four home runs. And this week, Brett Beatty hit 118, 118, 353. Uh, his two hits were both extra base hits, though. He hit a double and he hit a home run. He did not walk and he struck out five times. Not great. And last but not least is Francisco Alvarez. And last week he hit 318, 444, 682 with two doubles and two homers. And this week he hit the best out of all of them. He hit 214, 313, 500 with a double and a homer. Yeah, he really he had a real great pimp job on the homer though. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that I mean it was a really beautiful just the whole thing, which is the beautiful. So, you know, that yeah. is the best that of all of those guys did. And in a vacuum, you know, that is not particularly great to begin with, especially when we know how good those guys can be and what our expectations are of them. So, and again, they're back at home. So I guess, I guess all three of them are going to end up being Mets. So you have to train them early to not hit at home at all. <laughs> and, you know, go off on the road. Yeah, they brought, they brought up on the broadcast today that the Mets are owed a bunch of home games. I'm like, I don't want this, honestly. <laughs> Just uh, stay on the road. Um, then we also have some news about someone. I, I guess the other interesting guy that is on Brooklyn who's not those three guys. Um, 
After hitting 140, 169, 193 in 16 games, the Mets finally sent Adrian Hernandez down. They added him to the developmental list. So when the Gulf Coast League starts at the end of the month, um, June 28th, though, I guess we'll be seeing him down there. Um, he looked overmatched. <laughs> so the GCL should be a better fit for him. Obviously, the numbers weren't great, but I hope, like, just the, the overall experience was, was beneficial for him. Cause I know the guys in the, 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 the guys in the dugout really seem to like him. I don't know if it was one of the catchers. I don't know if it was Alvarez or if it was Juan Uriarte, but one of the two of them, they really liked Hernandez and, you know, they were hanging out with him a lot, mentoring him a lot. Probably Uriarte cause he's the, the quote unquote veteran. He's 23. <laughs> so he's a veteran on that team. But, you know, from the, from the dugout, they were cheering for him and his bats. They're saying encouraging things to him, talking to him in the dugout, stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, hitting not particularly great is not going to bring Hernandez down and just the kind of mentorship that they were giving him. Hopefully he could take that. He literally had 16 stateside plate appearances before this year. I'm not. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. But, you know, we've said before in the past about sometimes it might not be great to, to throw a kid in the deep end just to see how he sinks, if he sinks or swims. So hopefully he doesn't take his struggles back to the GCL with him. Hopefully he dominates. And then finds himself in, in St. Lucie, I guess, towards yeah. the end of the year. So speaking of St. Lucie now, we'll move on to them. They were 500 this week against the Palm Beach Cardinals. They went 3-3, three and three, and they are currently 20-16 and 16 on the year, which is good first place in the low A Southeast East, ahead of the Jupiter Hammerheads now. It seems like every week there's a new team in second place. <laughs> the team that was in, in first place last year, I believe it was the, the Tortugas. They went like, they're on like a 2-8 a and eight losing streak, so they fell Oof. out. Yeah. Um, so JT again, he made a second start this week. He allowed four innings, um, just allowed one run, a solo homer on four hits. He walked one, he struck out two. 34 of his 49 pitches were strikes. He was relying most on the fastball, a couple sliders, a couple of changeups, a couple of cutters mixed in. Um, the home run that he allowed, it came on a, on a slider that was basically ended up being right down Broadway. So whoops. I think it was to a, a prospect of note. I saw it on Twitter, I think. I don't remember who it was. I don't recall. But like we were saying last week, you know, he's just getting back on the mound. So that that's a win in and of itself. And expectations should be low unless out of just kind of nowhere he starts bowling. But that's very unlikely because he's just very – he's very clearly just reacclimating himself now to things. Um you know, he's he's basically maxed out at 92.8 miles per hour, and he's a guy that can touch 96, 97 when he really needs to rear back. So he's clearly not really trying that hard just yet, which is fine because it's it's you know rehab starts, and well, not really rehab starts. It's in effect rehab starts because you know he's he's a guy that probably should be in Brooklyn. You know, from Mississippi State. Pitched in the SEC, it's it's probably better than the low A Southeast. Yeah, but 
you know, it, it's just good to see him pitching, so that's good. I'm I'm sure they're like, go do the low leverage stuff for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. once, once you feel like you're rounding into your form and you feel like more like yourself again, go to Brooklyn and finish there. Yep. One nice thing, he has a 43% whiff rate on his slider, so that's nice. nice. <laughs> it's only literally 14 pitches, but hopefully he can keep that 43% up for the rest of the year. Honestly, just be... get healthy through the year. Just stay healthy. <laughs> just finish the year and pitch every game that you can. And... Yep. Um, really, no one else stood out too much pitching-wise. That's with Junior Santos. He had a pretty strong outing, which is nice to see. He threw... Five scoreless innings, though he did allow three hits and three walks, so that's not great. And he only had four strikeouts. Um, Santos is 19 still. He doesn't turn 20 till mid-August, so I think we got to keep that in mind because I don't want to say like he's been around forever, which he hasn't. But his name has been, you know, pretty much right away. His pretty name much out there. Right, but basically right away, expectations were high. Um, and the numbers really are not. The numbers don't really pop out at you yet. Um, I was looking into the dad a little bit, and, you know, he has obviously, you know, he, he's a guy that is known for the fastball. Um, this year he's been averaging 93.9 miles per hour, topping out at about 96, which is more or less what it was when I saw him um, in Kingsport. I think there are a couple of 97s. When I saw him, but again, it's still the beginning of the year, so it's whatever. But despite having a hard fastball, he gives up a lot of hits, almost one per inning. He doesn't really strike too many guys out. Um, he's he's doing a better job of it this year. He's basically one in inning as well, and he walks too many guys. But um, he's making batters are making a lot of hard contact with his pitches. But luckily for him, he's getting a lot of ground balls right now. He's a, a 57, excuse me, a 54.7 ground ball rate, and almost a 50% pull percentage. So basically, not a lot of guys are hitting it in the ground, and they're just kind of pulling it and rolling over it. And that explains, I guess, why there are. A lot of hits against him, but not a terrible, terrible ERA. 4.88, not great, but, you know, if more stuff is being hit in the air hard, yeah. it would be a lot worse. Yeah. Um, and then the St. Lucie offense, it's really being carried by a bunch of lesser guys this week. Um, in five games, Warren Saunders, he's hitting 11 for 21 with a homer. He's a interesting guy. The Mets signed him at the end of the 2018 season at the Bahamas. And he's kind of been like a Swiss army knife because the Mets is not really sure what he can be um, since he's very raw and was late to baseball and everything like that. They used him last year basically at every infield position. This year, though, they've been the, mainly used him at first with a couple of, of innings in the outfield. And then at the plate, he's being used all over the place. He's a cleanup hitter. But he's also gotten bat- at-bats at third. He's hitting fifth, hitting sixth. So they're still, you know, trying to figure out what they got in him. He's a decent swing and some bat speed. So he's a gamble, you know, but why not? Because you find sometimes, you know, decent guys in odd places. Mm-hmm. Uh, another gamble who's having a pretty good week is Brandon McGillwain. And he only played in three games this week, but he went four for thirteen with two double, well, excuse me, two homers and a stolen base. 
and he's uh, he was drafted last year as an undrafted. Excuse me, he was signed last year as an undrafted free agent because last year some really uh, what's a good way of putting it? Unfair rules were put in place regarding draftees and everything like that. Only five rounds, and then anyone else has a very small cap. But twenty thousand, I think. Yep. But you remember Brad Marquez? Yes. Mikael Wayne is basically uh, uh, another baseball slash football guy. He didn't mm-hmm. get as far as Marquez did. Obviously, Marquez actually played in the NFL for a while. But all throughout his high, uh, all throughout his high school and college career, Brendan McElwain played full time baseball and played full time uh, football. Yeah, he played for Cal, right? Uh, he, was... he played for South Carolina and Cal. Yeah. He was but a yeah. Problem is though, at least baseball wise, he kind of got screwed because of a lot of different things, and he only has forty five games total under his belt because. Injuries, uh, COVID, NCA transfer rules that kind of screwed him uh, out of out of a year of baseball. So he's a super athletic guy, but he's kind of you know very below average hit tool, very below average eye stuff like that. But he's raw, like yes, he just hasn't played a lot of high level baseball. Nope. So you know what that means, though. You know who the Mets need to hire as a special coach just for him. Tim Tebow. Hell yes. <laughs> T- Tebow's busy being a tight end some in Jacksonville right now. Oh, I don't know how long that's going to last, but when he's done, the Mets can use a, I don't know, a football to baseball transition coach because I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't really follow other, obviously I don't follow other teams as in depth as I do the Mets system, but are there any other teams that have this many or have had this many, you know, football to baseball guys, dual football baseball guys. Uh, not off the top of my head, I can't I think, can of think of any. No, can't think of any. But yeah, he's having a good week, and you know, hopefully that that kind of stuff continues and St. Lucie keeps winning because God knows we need one team in the system to actually. Yeah, geez. Yeah, we need at least we need someone to do good, please, for God's sakes. All right, let's move on now to oh yeah, that guy, and the way that the new minor league website is is laid out is kind of a pain in the ass to do this. It is not as easy as it used to, so I couldn't really go to the back walls here. Um, but Yudar Garcia, he had a good week this week. I have no idea who that is. Not even really? ringing a little bit of a bell. Oh yeah, I remember huh. you, Dor. Well, back uh, this over the course of this week, when he was with the Savannah Sadnats in 2015, Udor went yep. nine for 26 with a double, a triple, two homers, eight RBI, a walk, and four strikeouts. And he was a third round draft pick in the 2014 draft out of El Paso Community College. He hit a very pedestrian 435, 490, 780 there. Um, he was always, you know, an, an offense first third baseman who's probably going to be forced off the third base because of, of a lack of athleticism and a kind of iffy arm. It sounds and, a little familiar now. Well, 
that there's a bunch of guys that kind of fit that profile. That's true. <laughs> in, the, in the late 20s, 2010s, but um, he he had a solid year when he went to uh, Kingsport that year. He had 262, 327, 347. And then he had, I guess, what you could call a breakout season in 2015 um, with Savannah. He hit 296, 340, 442 with nine homers. And that's even more impressive when you look at it uh, through the context of it being Savannah because, you know, Grayson Stadium with with 16-foot outfield fences, like, you know, if you could hit anything out of there, then then kudos to you. Um, We ranked him as high as 18 on our 2016 top prospect list, but he was really never able to keep that momentum going because he got suspended for 80 games in January 2016 for taking some banned diuretics that are known um, masking agents for steroids. Does that ring a bell now? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So he basically came back and, you know, he hit okay with St. Excuse me, with Florida. Florida. He hit okay with the Columbia Fireflies. He had 275, but it was a kind of empty 275. And then his time in the on the team really didn't last much longer. And I guess the Mets soured on him. And there were some rumblings about some bad habits and a lack of dedication and, and whatever you want to call it, stuff like that. So they kept him in its extended spring training for a couple of months uh, when the 2017 season started. They sent him to St. Lucie in late June, and they released him literally like a week later. And ironically, he did fairly well in that week. So he spent the rest of the 2017 season with the Sioux City Explorers, which is an American association team. And then he went to Mexico in 2018, and he has not played professionally since. And, uh, you know, sometimes you could find what guys are doing in their lives after baseball, but for him... I could not find anything, so I don't know what he's been doing. But I always liked Ulor. Like we were saying, like you were saying before, like the, the profile sounds familiar. The Mets had a ton of guys like that, you know, Johan Urania, Adeline Rodriguez, third baseman that could, you know, hit the ball hard, but had questionable hit tools and a lot of defensive questions. And I liked Ulor the best out of all of them because he seemed like he was just a better hitter. You know, he was a, a fairly high draft pick. He had more of a track record with the Juco years, and then he hit for better averages for those guys. But I guess he was just doing steroids the whole time, so not great. Disappointing. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll wrap things up with the Wilponery of the week. There's a lot of different things to go for this week. There are some weeks where I have to like look up like, what stupid stuff has happened? But this week, there were so many different things. But I settled on Eric Adams, our mayoral candidate. Well, <laughs> not you guys. But not uh, Ken, I should say. But, you know, Andrew Yang, he got things. The Will Ponry in the mail race started, like, a couple months ago by just being his, his horrible, awkward self. And then a little bit not that long ago, we had some controversy with... With Scott Stringer, another one of the candidates, he was accused of sexual impropriety. And a couple of weeks ago, we had some controversy with Diane Morales because it came out that she got caught in some kind of like bribery scheme and lied about it to investigators and couldn't pass a routine background check um, for for civil service positions in the city. 
And now I think we might have the best of all of them yet. <laughs> yeah, this one. Eric, cool. Eric Adams, mysterious primary residence. <laughs> now, he owns a building in Bedsty. He also owns a place in Fort Lee, right over the GWB. Reporters discovered some some discrepancies in his tax records or whatever, um, whatever about like his primary address. So. He literally had to like have a press conference and re- invite reporters over to his house in Brooklyn to show them that he lived there. And you'd think that would have settled things, but that just opened up even more questions. He made it thirty times worse. It made it thirty times worse. The, because... My house is actually in Brooklyn. <laughs> Here it is. T-shirt is not answer is is leading to a lot of questions already answered by my shirt. <laughs> and the internet did a very good job of like cross referencing mm-hmm. the refrigerator. And, like, what type of stuff is in the plate? It was just incredible. None of the condiments were open. There was a picture in in the picture. There was, like, a pair of, like, red shoes, like, in the background. And somebody, like, found an old story on, like, an Instagram post from, like, a year ago or whatever of the son wearing those shoes. So, the mystery deepens, and we still don't know where Eric Adams lives. Man, he lives in New Jersey. Oh, of course. Ken, as the resident New Jerseyan, <laughs> what do you have to say about this? Uh, um, Mr. Adams, New Jersey welcomes you, but probably shouldn't be holding office in New York City if you're <laughs> not living in the city. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty basic requirement. Well, that sounds like commie talk to me. <laughs> Please take your man back then, because don't want him. All right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can shoot us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at ZedMetsihan, SZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.